0: To us. Fires, touchdown Miami! Waddle, snuck into the end zone of Miami. Boy, tight throw, tight window. They had to get that touchdown on that play They get it. What is up Dolphins fans and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and on today's show, a new week is here, and so too is free agency, at least almost. The league is already rolling with reports of trades, moves, and goings-on that began last week with that really crazy Wednesday kind of kicking things off and things will only continue to get more bonkers in the coming days today here on the podcast a primer a look at some potential fits and landing spots plus a look back at recent free agency periods returning to an increase in the NFL cap figure and a whole heck of a lot more busy podcast from somewhere in South Florida this is the drive time podcast that's another Miami Dolphins we kick off the podcast today with some news of a tendering of cornerback Nick Needham with a second round designation. So after a season where Nick allows no touchdowns in coverage, has a pick six, some consistent impressive coverage on the inside and a handful of plays coming down on the blitz off the edge in the running game. What a fine this guy has been. And the path, this is a path for an undrafted free agent, right? He had to earn his job originally back in 2019, had to fight off competition, high draft picks, proven veteran free agent additions, and he has done nothing but battle and earned playing time, and now he'll earn a nice little pay raise as a result in his fourth NFL season. And just to put a bow on his numbers from 2021, his most impressive year yet, 59 tackles, two interceptions, five passes defense, a fumble recovery, a sack, two QB hits, five QB pressures, 14 run stops. Those are a pro football-focused metric for run-down tackles within two yards of the line of scrimmage. No touchdowns allowed. A career-low 8.6% missed tackle rate. And I think my favorite of all of them is right here. Three penalties for Nick Needham last year. That's down from 10 his rookie season, down from seven in year number two to just three a year ago in his third season. And that's a position where you face... Two-way goes, and really, if you get beat instantly in that position, like the best way to defend that once you get beat is to grab on and hold. So good on Nick Needham for just three penalties last season in a very difficult position on the football field. And we talked about, again, that slot spot and some of the receivers that he had some really great coverage numbers against last year, or I should say in 2020, there was a stretch of games against Tyler Boyd, Jamison Crowder, and now Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup where it was a catch or two per game for just a few yards in those games. And he also gave you 90 snaps last year in the post as a free safety, including 44 of those in a week 15 game against the Jets when Javon Holland was on the COVID list, not to mention 147 snaps on special teams. What a find, what a value, what an example to have on your roster. Just another one of these guys that Josh Boyer, we've heard stories about him kind of pounding the table for Nick Needham as a UDFA back in 2019, just another defensive back who goes undrafted, to playing in Josh Boyer's DB's room, that's where he was in 2019, and also with the Patriots prior to that, to turning into a legitimate quality starter, Nick Needham, JC Jackson, Malcolm Butler, just to name a few there. So great value here for the Miami Dolphins. Before we get into and expand upon my Free agency primer that's up on MiamiDolphins.com this morning. I wanted to go ahead and look at a few things and first among them is a look at the cap and the correlating rise in annual salaries, guarantees and just general money that will be spent in the coming weeks here at the onset of free agency. This year the cap is at 208.2 million. Last year it was at 182.5 million down from 2020's number at 198.2, which was up from 2019 at 188.2, and the year prior at 177.2. So you kind of get the the rhythm there, right? $11 million increases, $10 million increases there uh, year to year, about a 5% increase with that trajectory each year until you get to that COVID 2020 season, which kind of knocked things out of whack there for the 2021 season. But now a $20 million increase from where it left off last season. So we're right back on that track with, you know, give or take 5% increase in the year to year. So the NFL, man, business be booming, even inside of a pandemic, but especially outside, or I should say, you know, two years removed from the onset of COVID really becoming a part of our lives. So when we think about the contracts that we might see with that dip and cap, and now back up, you have to remember that you must recalibrate each year what each contract means relative to the league cap figure, right? So 5% give or take increase, apply that to the players as well. So what was once a you know, $20 million contract now becomes a, you know, again, I don't know math, but I'm pretty sure that becomes $21 million. So you have to apply that into the way this goes, but I'm going to talk about Dolphins past free agent periods here in just a moment and reflecting upon, you know, when free agency used to kick off in the middle of the night back in the day. And, you know, this was the case back with Albert Haynesworth. What was that? 2009. I think it changed just a few years after that. I want to say the 2011 lockout ushered in the change to make free agency a primetime event because it was pushed back to like July or August that year, if not, you know, soon thereafter. But that's besides the point. The point about Albert Hainsworth getting that blockbuster deal an NFL record, $41 million in guarantees back in 2009, a defensive tackle setting the guaranteed record for most guaranteed money in a contract. Think about how crazy that is. And at one point I intended to get to was the contract that Harold Landry was reportedly agreeing to with the Tennessee Titans this last week, a fantastic defensive end, edge rusher, edge defender uh, for the Titans. He pulls on a reported $53 million in guarantees. And remember Hainsworth's 2008 season was one of the best we've ever seen Basically, until from a defensive tackle until Aaron Donald arrived and basically took that down seven, eight years in a row now. But seven years for 115 million for Hainsworth to keep it relative. How about Ndama and Sue six years later? It became the biggest contract to a defensive player ever at six years, 114. So it was 16.4 APY for Hainsworth, 19 APY for Sue, and 60 million in guarantee. So an average and 10 million dollars of guaranteed money for the life of that contract. That's not exactly how it works, but just kind of prorating things compared to Haynesworth's carry the one, six point one million in guarantee. So that's a good look there. A snapshot at how the the cap has increased and increased salaries, you know, over the course of the last decade plus. And just to put a bow on that point, Aaron Donald got six for one thirty-five back in 2018, and Lord knows what he would get today on the open market. But again. per and another 3.5 million increase from the deal that Sue signed with 87 million guaranteed a substantial increase there. So that's my preamble for saying money is going to be funny with a considerable leap in cap space this year. So Harold Landry's guaranteed money of $53 million. Look, he's a tremendous player who finished in the top 10, both in QB pressures and run stops among edge defenders last year on pro football focus. You have guys like Nick Bosa, Trey Hendrickson, Von Miller, Miles Garrett, Shaq Barrett, Max Crosby checked in in that vein last year in terms of guys that had more pressures and more production for what that could look like for a guy right around top 10 in both of those categories and what that could look like for the guys that, you know, have had more production than that at the top of the class. And just like the quarterback position, I mean, you see it with Aaron Rodgers and that reported 50 million per, so... I just wanted to do the groundwork to say these figures are probably going to make you say, wow, like all week long, expect increases. It's simple mathematics. And that's done by the fact that I can do the maths involved in this one. So that leads to something else I wanted to explore here before we get into the free agency primer, the top of the market at each position and kind of lay the expectation there. Again, this is according to spotrack.com. And just a disclaimer, there is so much more to these deals than APY. But it does give us a little bit of a baseline just kind of to compare these things, you know, apples for apples across the board. So quarterback Rodgers, the reported 50. Mahomes is 45 right behind that. Again, two guys that, you know, MVP races, deep playoff runs and, and a Super Bowl championship there recently from Mahomes. Guys that are just at the top of the game and getting, you know, the top of these current Quarterback landscape or quarterback contract landscape, I should say, with those two guys right there. Running back Christian McCaffrey, 16 million APY leads the way there. He signed that deal recently a couple of years back with the Panthers. At receiver, it's gonna be mostly recent deals because that's how this, this cycle works, right? DeAndre Hopkins, 27 per, and that was you know a significant gap to the next guy, Julio Jones at 22.5. You wonder what Adams would get, you know, outside of a franchise tag. They're probably closer to the new Hopkins number, if not more. Uh, tight end position, George Kittle, 15 million per offensive tackle, Trent Williams just edged out David Bakhtiari by 10k. Both those guys right around 23 million per at the tackle position. Last year at Guard, Joe Tooney of the Chiefs reset the market at 16 million per, which is the same number Joel Batonio got in season with an extension with the Cleveland Browns. But Brandon Scherf playing on that double tag for the commanders was at 18. He'll uh, potentially hit the market here coming up this week, uh, leaving Washington after two years of getting the tag there. At the center position, Frank Ragnow with the Lions got his extension, 13.5 per. And Corey Lindsley of the Chargers got his deal last offseason at 12.5. On the interior defensive line, we already mentioned this guy, Aaron Donald, 22.5 APY. Off the edge, there's so many guys I had to list them all. And basically to get down to that uh, Harold Landry figure, J.J. Watt, 28 per. Nick Bosa, or Joey Bosa, I should say, 27 per, uh, Miles Garrett, 25 per, uh, Khalil Mack, 23.5, Von Miller, 19, and then Landry, 17.5. For off-ball linebackers, Darius Leonard of the Colts, 19.7 APY. At cornerback, Jalen Ramsey at 20 APY, and then safety at 17.5, uh, Jamal Adams, and his APY there. So again, the, those are the top of the market contracts, kind of how the market gets set, and then you plug them in as you go along there. I always love this time of the year for not just the player acquisition, but kind of the playing with the cap and figuring out a way to make it all click together to put together that piece and maximize the allotment of resources that you have. But while those big time signings you know, slot in accordingly based upon production and precedent, there are always, always going to be bargains to be had. We see it every single year. Of course, the price tag reduction always means an increased sense of risk, right? That's kind of how this works. But I mean, there's always risk in the sport in what is the ultimate game of chess. But you look back at like Brent Grimes, for instance, coming off an Achilles tear in 2012, really dampened his market. Then he gets a one-year $5.5 million deal with the Dolphins in 2013 and has a Pro Bowl season. Similar to Eric Rowe back in 2019, a one-year deal here in Miami also, he had a hard time playing through an entire 16-game schedule before that, which certainly had an impact on his market. Now, after getting an extension within his first season here with the Dolphins, has played all 49 possible games in those three years. So you can find those guys. doesn't have to be top of the list. And just to kind of go back over the Dolphins' recent free agency here, I was looking back and, you know, I remember all these free agent classes, but just to really lock in and, and look back on how the team has done in some of the bargain deals or just good deals they've had. 2020, I thought, you know, Byron Jones, a big part of this defense the last couple of years, and Emmanuel Ogba were certainly nice gets there. 2019, mentioned Eric Rowe. How about Josh Sitton back in 2018? That was a, a fun signing for one game because he played so well in that season opener, and then he gets hurt and missed the rest of the season at a spot that the Dolphins really thought, you know, the fan base thought we'd kind of solve that left guard issue there heading into that year. He plays just one game. 2017, not the best acquisition and kind of make this, you know, comprehensive because the trades are a big part of the game nowadays, but I thought the best ad there was the trade for William Hayes, the defensive end, who had a very nice 2018 season there with the Dolphins and 2017 season, I should say. Uh, 2016, Issa Abdul-Kadus, remember him? He was playing so well before that injury in the Christmas Eve Buffalo game, the one that essentially sent Miami to the AFC playoffs that year. 2015, Andama Kinsu also traded for Kenny Stills. That was one of my favorite moves. Of the last decade or so, 2014, no Sean Marino. 2013, mentioned Brent Grimes. And how about Brandon Gibson? Go Cougs there. So it's a good place to cut it off. But again, remember when they used to kick off free agency at midnight Eastern on Friday night? Do you remember that, or was it Thursday night? I'll never forget. This is before I had my first iPhone. Sitting in a movie theater, and because I was so geeked about football, I don't even remember what movie this was. And after a quick search on Google. There are two possibilities, semi-pro and strange wilderness that I went and saw in theaters. Maybe it was witless protection. I doubt I got her done. That's a bit of a sarcastic mark there. But I was checking thefins.com because this is before Twitter and the signing, the update of Justin Smiley. Like that was one of my first memories of really being just nuts about the sport and about this team and about this league with Justin Smiley as a midnight free agency signing back in 2008. So there you have it. One last note on this. A guy that does not get enough credit for the work he does because something we talk about all the time on this podcast is the flexibility and Brandon Shore, a big, big part of that. Positional flexibility, we always love to talk about here. The minimal dead money and available cap for this offseason. Always feel great about having that in your back pocket around this time of year. And a big shout out there to Brandon Shore for making that happen for this Miami Dolphins club. All right, let's go ahead and take our first break. We're going to come back and recap and get to an in-depth look at the free agency primer up on MiamiDolphins.com this morning, written by yours truly, Drive Time Podcast, Travis Winkler, brought to you by Auto Nation. All right, we are presented by Auto Nation here on the Drive Time Podcast with Travis Wingfield. And we have a piece up on MiamiDolphins.com this morning. Taking a look at what I did was I went and looked at some websites that had suggestions about positions of need. And off of those, took the NFL.com top 101 free agents list and just kind of spelled out what is unique about those position groups and maybe some connections to those guys from previous coaching staffs, and some Pro Bowls, and all all the fun stuff we love to do here on the Drive Time podcast, taking a look at everything comprehensively at those position groups, and then also some interesting facts about the other position groups that were not on that list. But first, I go back to a couple of quotes here from the sit-down interview on YouTube, as well as the Drive Time podcast with General Manager Chris Greer and Head Coach Mike McDaniel, who recently on Drive Time had this to say first with Greer, Knowing we have flexibility to do stuff is good, but at the end of the day, we're gonna build a team that's best for us, end quote. And then McDaniel's kind of follow-up to that, which was, you know, great as always, talking about how it's not like the allowance you get when you're younger where, hey, you have the money, you should go spend it. You know, flexibility, sure, that's important, but don't just go spend it because you've got it. And I liked how he talked about, and this is something I heard, you know, from the Move the Sticks podcast that I always love to reference here on drive time and just other stories around people that are executives or GMs or scouts or coaches, whatever the case may be, about how coaches, you know, I have a practice on Wednesday. I need a linebacker to run my practice or whatever the case may be. That was just an example, right? I need a I need a free safety for this particular practice to get done when I have to get done. And so that's kind of the short-sighted mindset in terms of we have to go get this done. And I liked how he talked about Chris Greer kind of being the balancer of that in terms of helping him... Maintain that balance when talking through everything, especially when you're talking about salary cap and spending limits, is how McDaniel ended that quote. So, the collaboration of those two guys working together, just the wisdom that Greer has that he can, you know, institute for Mike McDaniel and vice versa, too, in terms of just, you know, here's Here's the picture of things I, I prefer, how, the best way I can run my system and get guys for my staff, and Greer is going to do what he can to make that happen as well. So those guys working kind of in unison, thought that was evident in those answers. And again, talking about flexibility, Miami enters the free agency period with the fourth most projected available cap space and the eighth least amount of dead money in the National Football League. That's per- courtesy of spotrack.com. And just taking a look here. At the CBSSports.com, they, they kind of went through a mock draft and had teams' needs uh, listed on that mock draft, and for the Miami Dolphins, it was four positions, and they were three on offense, one on defense, across the offensive line, and they mentioned both tackle and guard spots, specifically the running back position, the receiver position, and then linebacker on defense, so we start here with the NFL.com Top 101 written by Greg Rosenthal. Well, I had a chance to meet in Indianapolis of the Around the NFL podcast and the entire crew. That was a pretty cool uh, uh, little sit and chat and meet and greet there with my guy, Mark Sessler, who's one of the best people uh, in this entire industry. So thanks for saying what's up, Mark, and talking to me off to the side of the ATN riser there. So Greg Rosenthal wrote the NFL.com top 101 and across the offensive line. I went ahead and put everybody that's uh, guard, tackle or center. They all made it in this list. The number one player on the overall boards, Teron Armstead of the Saints. Uh, just one of the best left tackles of the last eight, nine years in the National Football League. Really good player. Brandon Scherf from the Washington Commanders. We talked about him earlier. Double tags the last two years. He's been a very good, productive player at that right guard position for them after being the number five pick in the draft back in 2015. Yep, 2015. Ryan Jensen, the Super Bowl champion of the uh, center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's the top center on this list. Dwayne Brown from the Seahawks is up here at number 14. James Daniels of the Chicago Bears, just 24 years old on this list. Joe Noteboom of the Rams. Number 33 is Bradley Bozeman. Number 35, Ben Jones. 37 is Trent Brown, the former tackle of the Patriots and 49ers. He's a massive, massive player and people mover. Laken Tomlinson, the guard formerly of the 49ers, number 43 on this list. Uh, Number 45 is Eric Fisher, formerly of the Colts and Chiefs before that. 46 is Connor Williams from the Cowboys. 50, Alex Kappa from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Number 79 is Morgan Moses. So a bit of a drop there from the top 50. Lots of names on the offensive line in this top 50. And then you go 29 spots to Morgan Moses, who had a great year last year for the New York Jets. Number 82, Austin Corbett. And number 94, Riley Reef, Number 97, Andrew Norwell. So just kind of looking at that list, and one name that would probably be added to that if they updated it would be Roger Saffold, who was released. And you might recall he was with the Rams at the beginning of the Sean McVay era. And he came back for that game back in Week 17 and had a fantastic performance in that running game against our defense. And I think that kind of shows you the, the value he provides on the offensive line, a big guy that can help you in the running game and obviously help in pass protection, a good veteran presence there and a p- potential left guard on the open market. So again, what we have here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13 offensive linemen here in the top 50 of Rosenthal's list. And there's a good mix of it all. Guard, tackle, center, center, Armstead, Scherf, and Jensen—the top tackle, guard, and center on this list—have a combined nine Pro Bowls and some of the best tape across the league year in and year out. And the depth of this group, I think, is really aided by the increasing longevity of the position. And that's that's for a lot of positions, right? But offensive line, like I, I look back to Andrew Whitworth, who just had the storybook ending to his career. You know, he arrives in Los Angeles after an 11 year career with the Bengals, all with the Bengals. He's 36 years old in 2017. And I remember looking back at when that happened, thinking like the Rams won like three, four games last year. You're 36. Where, where are you going? And he goes there and winds up, Playing for you know four playoff teams or four division championship teams or whatever the case may be and a bunch of playoff wins and a, and a Super Bowl championship there but you know he caps his age forty season with that Lombardi and under his you know performance there at left tackle for five years they had some of the best offenses some of the best rushing attacks and just looking across this list among the offensive linemen in the top one hundred one there was thirteen in the top fifty and then how much total here. 14, 15, 16, 17 of them, 12 of them are 30 age 30 years or older on opening day. So, you can get quality offensive line play on the other side of 30. Everyone's doing it. That's that's going to be the case again this year. Some other offensive line notables, again James Daniels, 24 years old, the youngest of the crop. So, if you want to get a guy just kind of entering his prime there, he's a good-looking uh interior offensive line prospect. He's one of three players on this list to kind of to who's set to test the market fresh off their rookie contract. Laken Tomlinson is a guy that has familiarity with Mike McDaniel, played under him for the last five years in San Francisco, where Teron Armstead's career began in the same offensive line room as Dolphins offensive coordinator Frank Smith. So that's the offensive line snapshot there. At the running back position, number 41 is our first player, and he's a running back slash wide receiver, Cordarell Patterson, of the Atlanta Falcons, checks in. Number 52, James Conner, who had a big-time year after signing a pretty small deal, with a one-year deal with the Cardinals last year. Leonard Fournette, 62, checks in as a third running back on the list. Melvin Gordon's number 63. Chase Edmonds, another Cardinal, number 78, And number 92, Raheem Mostert, who the reports came out from Adam Schefter over the weekend that he is healthy and ready to go for football and full-speed activity after an injury uh, last season. So that's good to hear for him. But Patterson, man, this guy is an NFL enigma, primarily a return specialist the first seven years of his career after being a first-round draft pick for a potential wide receiver role with the Vikings. And he showed that in his rookie season, but never really got back to it. And then last year gets converted to a, not last year, because of the Bears, he ran some of this, and the Falcons saw that and said, I'd like to have one of those, please. And they signed him up and rushed him for over 600 yards and six touchdowns on the ground. And his flexibility helped that offense create mismatches, give them flexibility across personnel packages. So he's a really fun player to watch. I'm curious to see his market where he winds up. James Conner tied for second last year in the National Football League with 15 touchdowns on the ground. He was behind only Jonathan Taylor with the Indianapolis Colts. And then you have Leonard Fournette on that list who kind of recaptured his rookie form with the Buccaneers. I thought he looked his best in the National Football League the last two years with Tampa Bay. Last year, 1,266 yards from scrimmage and 10 TDs in the regular season one year after a big playoff run and a Super Bowl championship. So interesting list there. Some veteran presences. We've talked about this running back class kind of being deep this year in the draft as well. Just real quick, uh, back to Mostert, obviously arrived with the 49ers in 2016. That was his fifth NFL team. He had to kind of work his way through some camps before he found a fit. And he led the Niners in 2019 with 772 yards on the ground and eight touchdowns. That's your running back class there. Moving on to the receivers, At number 8, the first receiver is Allen Robinson. Number 11, Odell Beckham. Number 20, Michael Gallup of the Cowboys. Number 34, Russell Gage. 36, Juju Smith-Schuster. And then Christian Kirk is at number 39 of the Cardinals. Number 44, Will Fuller. 51, DJ Chark. Number 55, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. And number 76, Jamison Crowder of the New York Jets. So the franchise tag took the top two receivers off the board. It was number 1, Devontae Adams and number three, I think, Chris Godwin. But there's still plenty to love about this group of free agents because, well, Alan Robinson and Odell Beckham are going to get you the marquee. I mean, those are two guys that have had big-time production. Beckham coming off a Super Bowl, but also a knee injury there. And then also Michael Gallup, number 20. He'll probably do pretty well for himself as well. Russell Gage and Christian Kirk, those are two guys that are intriguing here. After the top 20, they're number 34 and 39, I should say. But you continue to see their numbers trend upward over the course of their careers, as well as Michael Gallup, as Gage produced 1,556 of his 2,065 career receiving yards, so about 75% over the last two years of his four-year career, while Gallup checked in just under 3,000 receiving yards and 15 touchdowns in four years. And that was a very loaded Cowboys offense there with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper and Dalton Schultz. Just a really, really good plethora of options in that passing attack. And then Christian Kirk last year had a career-best 982 receiving yards. Man, he can make the big play down the football field. He is shifty with the football in his hands. A, a, a real guy that I think can run for some yak. He's I, I like his game a heck of a lot. And we talked a little bit about the kind of opportunities for, for maybe a guy that you can get. Um, to have a, a bounce back or a rebound type of year, DJ Chark is one of those guys. Looked like a super, a, a surefire superstar with the Jaguars with a thousand yard season and eight touchdowns back in 2019. But he's battled injuries since then. hasn't played a whole bunch of snaps. He could be one of those guys that you look as a hidden gem in this class coming in at number 51 on this list, despite not playing a lot of football the last two years. And then finally, the linebacker position. Bobby Wagner starts it off at number 17. He was recently released by the Seahawks. Number 19, Devondre Campbell. Number 54, Anthony Barr of the Vikings. 67, Kaiser White. 77, Foye Olakun from the Falcons. Number 98, Leighton Van Der Esch. And number 100, Jayon Brown. You know, Wagner's release gave this linebacker's crop. The same thing most of the other groups have is that one top-of-the-line megastar. And Wagner, he once went an entire season without a missed tackle in 2019. From Pro Football Focus, he also went to eight straight Pro Bowls. Devondre Campbell's interesting because he was a four-year Atlanta Falcon, goes to the Cardinals for a year, and then goes to the Packers for a year, and winds up as a first-team All-Pro. So, you know, these guys can find lightning in a bottle. Campbell did it last year at the Packers. He's back on here as number 19. Anthony Barr's been a really good rusher slash edge run defender for the Vikings for a long time. Kaiser White, kind of a hybrid safety slash linebacker, nickel linebacker type. Ola Kuhn had that pick against the Dolphins last year. That's just about as much as I know about his game. I'll, I'll look into him more if it, if it requires. And then Leighton Van Der Esch is kind of a big thumper, a guy that had a really strong rookie season. You know, he's he's got a nice blend of size and speed. A pro bowler and second-team All-Pro is a rookie back in 2018. And while he hasn't re-found that, that production he has made 349 tackles with 12 passes defensed and eight tackles for loss in four seasons. He's got a lot of range and and just covers ground with his wingspan and length. So that's your your uh, positions of need according to CBSSports.com. Some additional facts around top 100 and one free agents from Greg Rosenthal NFL.com. Four of the top five players are cornerbacks or edge defenders. And if you separate the offensive line into tackles, guards, and centers individually then no position has more players in the top 50 than the seven cornerbacks on this list. And with 13 a piece cornerback and edge are the most represented position on the entire list. Again, without offensive line being one spot, you know, Mike McDaniel spoke to his combine presser about backup quarterback traits, you know, aiding a quarterback and also being able to come off the bench and win games if you need them. You hope you never do, but if you do, and he talked about if you need to replace Jacoby Brissett, who was the backup in 2021, his contracts had to expire in the new league year, that there are four quarterbacks on this list. They're Jameis Winston, Teddy Bridgewater, Marcus Mariota, and Andy Dalton, and they have a combined 349 starts among them. That's a, I thought that was a very fascinating stat there. And then again, free agency is not the only medium with which a team can use to upgrade its roster this time of year. Trading draft picks has always been common practice, but did you know the veteran trade market remains robust because the number of trades has increased in the league year to year, every year since 2015. So that is your free agency primer. Again, this piece up on MiamiDolphins.com. You can take a look at that with some more uh, in-depth information there about beyond the top 101 on the list and the Dolphins' success in that regard in years past. We're also going to cover the post-free agency or post-signings Uh, coming up later this week, just taking a look at whoever the Dolphins add, their in-depth look at their film, their stats, their numbers, their advanced metrics, some quotes from teammates and past coaches, you know we'll have you covered here on the Drive Time Podcast, as well as you can find anywhere out there in the content sphere. Coming up next here on the podcast, we're going to get you updated with the very up-to-the-minute list of NFL transactions and acquisitions and getting you ready for this week of crazy, crazy NFL news and notes that next here Drive Time Podcast brought to you by Auto Nation. Coming into the C block here, before we get out of here, I want to go ahead and finish up with a a rundown here of the reported transaction wire ahead of this podcast and get you the latest on what has transpired across the league to get you the most ready you can for the time you hear this and before the new. League year starts on Wednesday, but also the quote-unquote legal tampering period opens up later today here in the National Football League. I'm going to update this right before bedtime on Sunday night to give you, again, the latest, I hope, with reports. So here's what we have so far. We've already discussed the big ones at quarterback. Aaron Rodgers reportedly staying in Green Bay with a possible extension there. Russell Wilson to the Broncos for two ones, two twos. Noah Fant, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke, and that mid-ground pick swap. Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders. Not a quarterback here, but a huge one on Thursday came in. Khalil Mack to the Chargers for a 2 and a 6. Man, him and Joey Bosa. That's going to be a special pass rush duo there with Derwin James creeping around in that box as well. Also, the Bears released running back Tariq Cohen with an injury designation because he didn't pass a physical from a knee injury coming back to 2020. The Seahawks again released Bobby Wagner. The Chargers extended Mike Williams. The Broncos released receiver Deshaun Hamilton, formerly of Penn State. I was a big fan of his game as a slot receiver coming out of college there. Uh, he'll he'll hit the market. The Patriots released Kyle Van Noy. The Buffalo Bills released longtime starter John Fel- uh, Feliciano. The Titans mentioned Roger Saffold. Also released Kendall Lamb and Darrington Evans, a I think third or fourth round pick at running back a few years ago. The Saints re-signed Carl Granderson. That's a pass rusher off the board. Texans re-signed linebacker Christian Kirksey. Really good off ball linebacker there. Cleveland tendered Dearness Johnson from the Cleveland Browns. Found that to be interesting with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt still in the mix there. The Jets extend LaMarcus Joyner for another season. The Commanders release uh, Landon Collins, almost said Lyle Collins, and the Jaguars release Carlos Hyde. And that was where I stopped recording on Friday. Now back with you on Sunday evening. The Bears release nose tackle Eddie Goldman as Chicago continues to let go of some veteran players off that roster. The biggest news of the weekend was Amari Cooper traded from the Cowboys to the Browns for a fifth and sixth round pick. And a very interesting move there on the heels of that mid-season Odell Beckham release last year. You have to assume Cooper kind of slots into that position and kind of fulfills that role. And they will also absorb roughly three years, sixty million, give or take, to Amari Cooper off that Cowboy off the Cowboys' books. We'll see if that frees up space for a Michael Gallup extension, possibly. We've heard some rumblings about Lyle Collins possibly on the move. So the Cowboys, a team to monitor here in the coming days and week. And you know how I said this all moved so fast? Well, by the time I went back to this podcast and updated you on the other side, Darrington Evan, after being cut by the Titans on Friday, has been claimed. He's now a Chicago Bear. The Falcons cleared up $12 million in cap space with a Matt Ryan restructure. Is he a potential veteran quarterback that could be on the move this year, or maybe next year. We'll see with him. The Chargers extended another wide receiver, Jalen Guyton. He's a nice big play threat for them, so they have him and Mike Williams back. Jacoby Myers for the Patriots winds up with a second-round tender, so he'll likely go back there with the Patriots. And then the rap sheet report of that particular second-round tendering also mentioned the potential of fullback fullback Jakob Johnson hitting the open market as a result. Speaking of fullbacks, we did not mention this earlier, but Andy Yanovich of the Cleveland Browns will not be brought back, or at least he'll test the open market come free agency. And then Alec Ingold also was cut by the Las Vegas Raiders, two very good fullbacks right there from the AFC, potentially hitting the open market. And why not go ahead and end the podcast right there on the fullbacks? I'm cutting this right around 5.15, on Sunday evening, Sunday afternoon, so hopefully nothing goes down in the couple of hours it takes for me to put the podcast out and you guys for to hear this podcast because with the free agency window opening, or I should say legal tampering period opening on Monday at noon, this could potentially need to be updated right away. So that's why we're coming your way here Sunday night. What's to come here on Drive Time? We're going to post a mailbag podcast as well as a get you caught up on the reports from the legal tampering period. That'll be up on Wednesday. We'll have in-depth podcasts and get to know you pieces on MiamiDolphins.com, taking a look at each of your Miami Dolphin veteran acquisitions, whether it's free agency, trade, or otherwise. We'll also have that Twitter Spaces show for you guys coming your way on Wednesday night as well. One of my favorite weeks on the entire calendar. It's is here in the meantime that's going to be my time you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on apple podcasts leave us a rating leave us a review you can follow me on twitter at wingfield nfl follow the team across all social platforms at miami dolphins you do not want to miss any of our content this week we have plenty coming your way check out the fish tank podcast some great guests coming up there with seth and oj the youtube channel for dolphins today and some media availabilities as well as miamidolphins.com until next time fins up caroline Daddy is coming back upstairs to watch some Disney+.